Thanks for pressing play on the Real-Time 3D in Education podcast. My name is Mike Washburn. Our final guest on this series has been working in the Real-Time 3D space for almost 20 years. Before anyone even knew what Real-Time 3D was, Kevin Chaya was doing work with companies like Sony and Disney and Warner Brothers to really move the needle in so many areas, not the least of which include augmented and virtual reality. I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to, to put a bow around this whole conversation about real-time 3D, because I really wanted to talk about the future of work and about where kids go from here. Where do our students move to once they go from the classroom and out into that world? Kevin is an exciting guy doing incredibly exciting work and this conversation really wraps up this series nicely. We talk about what students should expect and what we might be expecting from them in the real-time 3D workforce. I think it's an insightful conversation for educators to listen to as they continue to teach our students. So stay tuned for our final conversation of this series with veteran real-time 3D developer and educator, Kevin Chaya. All right, welcome to the podcast, Kevin Chaya. Thanks, Mike, for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a and pleasure. I heard I'm your, and I heard I'm your last one for this podcast, so that makes it even more exciting. It's, it's an exciting way to wrap up uh, a really cool series where we've been talking um, with teachers. We've talked to government um, folks yeah, at various levels of the government, from like school district all the way to Department of Education. And we're wrapping it up with a bit of a conversation, talking to someone who's kind of in the industry. And so... What I'd love to start with is to get a handle on your background. I know a decent amount about you, and some of our audience probably does not. But one of the things that I love about you is that not only do you have, you know, your hand firmly entrenched in the industry, but you are also very in tune with what's going on in K-12 education specifically. So... Talk to us about the balance between those two things, how you got interested in things like Unreal Engine and real-time 3D as well. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I'll, I'll erase all the bore stuff, but let's just say I'm, I'm an ex-studio executive um, uh, doing studio work recently from Sony. And that's actually relevant to what you just said because during my stint at Sony, I was in charge of VR and AR. And because of that, I actually met the guys from uh, Merge uh, that met the Merge Cube. So that's what got me into uh, the Merge uh, um, atmosphere right there. And of course, most people, a lot of people know me when I created Moment AR, which is still released in the iOS, uh, which is an uh, augmented reality tool for um, social emotional learning. Um, I built that with my wife as a school psychologist for the Burbank district. She is, uh, uh, I believe now it's just specifically K through five is where she's a school psychologist for. But uh, technology-wise, um, uh, virtual production is really big. Um, when I mentioned virtual production, right away you should kind of think Mandalorian from Disney+. Plus. That's what really exploded it. And that's all built off the Unreal Engine. So um, when you see me working with the studios and whatnot, it's, it, it's testing out different game engines to see what you can and cannot do and kind of educating um, other people. So it's funny, before I even got through the K-12 space or even the college space, I'm already educating um, or at least uh, given background information of technologies. It's amazing. Awesome. So 
I'm gonna date the episode a little bit, even though that's like rule one hundred one of podcasting. Don't don't date the podcast so it's evergreen. But I'm gonna do it anyways because yesterday, um, Artemis won the first launch of the the new space launch system. Um, went into space. They're gonna do a lap around the moon and come back. And so I've been thinking a lot the last twenty four hours about kind of the future of of work and this idea that. Um, you know, my kids or my kids' kids are, are going to experience space and um, how that looks and feels and the, even the visualization of like the way we live in our universe in totally different ways than, than we do. And we can see that this world is changing rapidly. This, this, this use of 3d tools, 3d technology, things like the, the, the technology that unreal engine empowers, um, in so many incredible ways and industries that we, we didn't even think needed this stuff happened to need it. And, and so, um, my question is, I, I I'm thinking a lot about what, the future of like our students looks like in terms of where they're going to work and how they're going to work and what the pathway is from where they are now in school to what they're going to do down the road. And, and I think you would have an incredible insight into what the industry space needs, what, what people are looking for, what types of skills they're going to need, what types of tools are they going to need to know, what types of intangibles are they going to need to have? Um, I'd love for you to take a deep dive into kind of what our students should expect from the future of their work. Yeah, I mean, you open uh, multiple cans. There's it's a like lot of ways you can you go open, with that, like, and I'm excited. Like we're making pot. We're making podcast chili right now, and you just said, "Hey, Kevin, how many things can we put into this pot?" Well, <laughs> the one the one thing I will say, if I look at from my college times, which was a few years ago up to now, is that it's the tools available now are much much different. You know, um, mm. I I think I did a Twitch stream where um, with a partner I spawned the live NFT to it. On a virtual production using Unreal on a Twitch, and in the middle is like a cyberpunk type of arcade area, and all that I we built in like a day, you know. Where before that would be a, a weird thought, and me educating other people is like a, a it's just a weird thought on it. So to answer that on a basic, quick one-liner is that the tools today um, are are capable and, and priced enough where anybody can do it anywhere, which is much different from years and years before, where you need specific gear or get things to work. Um, educating on, on more from the K, uh, the educator side of what to expect. There's a lot of just not know one thing. I come out of college, I knew how to code C and maybe some Java and whatever, and that was enough to do it. Now there's just a whole bunch of components and plugins and 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 softwares that interlink together to get things to work. And I think that's something where um exposure to definitely certainly helps but it's one of those things it's a, it's it's daunting to probably look at so maybe not everyone jumps into the field so a good example of that is virtual production right it's just like hey do you know unreal okay do you know c okay do you know scripting uh-huh and do you know like maya any graphical languages and this and this and that and that and that and sometimes i mean the job description alone makes it look very very frightful hence why there's a a big need for it and on top of all that too it's nice to know everything, but in Unreal, you won't know everything. You've seen Unreal. They're just so vast, and there's just so much to learn. It's more just like you're specializing in a certain area. So 
what I try to tell my students is, yes, it's daunting, but if it was easy, everybody would do it, you know, type of thing. So um, it, it just get rid of the daunting part and really jump in of what is specifically you want to do and you should be fine. But I could see from the outside looking in that the daunt, you know, again, I go to the word daunting. It, it's probably the problem area um, uh, going with with everyone getting up to speed and, and looking things like Unreal Engine. And it's got to be it, this is a great time, you know, to think about these types of things, because. I'm looking uh, and I and I talk to all the time people in, you know, the farming industry and the logging industry and in um, entertainment. And we've talked to folks dealing with entertainment related sort of to this podcast and um, video game design and all of these industries. So there there truly is something for everybody, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean. No matter what, someone has user input somewhere that it's beneficial to others that hasn't been tapped into it or the right technology hasn't tapped into it. I mean, a good example is look at what happened a moment. I have, I mean, my wife's a, a school psychologist, but, you know, I didn't know anything of it until I had the Merge Cube in front of me. And we both said, you know, it spawned an idea of like, how can we get something working on this? Because it tackled her issues and on top of it was this specific technology used to to use to tackle it so um and, and that's just with social emotional learning school psychologists so with farmering and, and any other career i see the same thing of just like there's probably some technology out there to tap into it now not everything should work and that makes perfect sense um but i think there's just it's just one of those things you have to combine you know a and b like i said making the chili right you're just combining the uh, the proper ingredients to make it taste good I'm curious. So, so you teach, I know, I know you teach, um, every once in a while at the, at the college level, um, mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what you're telling your students in terms of, I, I'd love to even take a little bit deeper dive into that, that know a little bit of everything kind of mindset or, or this idea of understanding your tools and, and technologies, um, you know, and what are you doing to guide your students towards the careers that they're, they're looking for? Because I think that I imagine they're looking to you for some guidance on this. Exactly. You know, um, to preface that I teach senior software design yeah. at, um, Cal state Northridge. And the idea of that is taking like a napkin idea and try to make a product out of it. Now, that's easier said than done. So what I do is I dissect that having, you know, studio and plus entrepreneur experience. But the biggest thing is educating every little part of that um, and also of why things kind of work right um, in college. They kind of you're kind of just worked on like the here's find the solution, build it, turn it in and go. And then I kind of teach of just like, OK, here's our here's how you should build it and the why. I think the educating the why is the most important. And then on top of that is the exposure mm -hmm. of, okay, I think you should build it this way. Use Unreal Engine. Why? Well, it's an industry standard and you're doing something in video production or maybe doing something in gamification. You're doing an FPS shooter. You know, um, Unreal has all these plugins, everything you can build in. You don't have to code everything from scratch. You can reuse stuff. So it's more getting them out of the shell is I think the key thing here because they're just kind of built for three years of just like, Build it your own. Don't use anyone else's thing um, and just turn it in. And I'm like, life's not like that. You're going to work with other people. So there's a social aspect. You know, you're going to work with other people's code bases. So you're going to be reusing stuff. So, you know, education and um, and the big thing is the exposure, you know, the and the why. And the, I, 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 again, exposure, I think, is the is the key word there of of 
of things they're not introduced to and me trying to introduce the most that I can. But I do preference what I teach is that Professor Chaya can only teach so much. We only have a year, but that's what, you know, four months each semester, whatever, and that's it. And then you're, you, that's it. You graduate, you're on the wild. And my job is to best expose them to as much of the real world and replicate as much as possible to them so that when they go into there, I can get phantom emails and messages saying, hey, Professor Chaya, you were right. They work like this here or this is, you know, that why they do stuff. And, and uh, that's the best I could do. So you've been you've been in this industry in some way, shape or form for for close to 20 years now. And oh, man, you had to put it. You had to put an age to it. Thanks. Ben. Uh, well, I got you. I got you. <laughs> and I think that one of the things that I just heard from you that's similar to things that I've heard from a few other folks that have been on this podcast is um, this idea of the accessibility of the tools that are used in the industry are the same ones you can teach with now. And that wasn't mm -hmm. like that 20 years ago. In fact, mm -hmm. that's a fairly new thing. You know, this idea that the industry standard is also the thing you're going to learn with as opposed to, you know, I think 20 years ago, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you kind of got thrown into the fire a little bit, you know, when you started a job, but now you're learning, you're using Unreal Engine in university, you're going into your first job with actual knowledge of the actual tool that is being used in, in the job that you're doing. Talk, talk about the shift and how monumental that must be for, you know, folks like, you know, Warner Brothers and Sony and Disney and all those folks. Man, I'll take the example out of my exposure. I remember in college, and I had a blast on this, by the way. I remember in college, in order to teach embedded computing, um, I want to take as one of my favorite professors was teaching it. Embedded computing was uh, um, computing small devices, but there was no Raspberry Pi or Arduinos back then. It was Lego Mindstorms, the stuff you could get off Target, Walmart, Amazon now, you know, um, uh, right off the shelf. And that was like our most sophisticated stuff to code like um, cool projects. I think our final for that class was code the Roomba. And the Roomba, here, this adds to my adds to the age component. The Roomba was like a brand new thing, which was like the motorized uh, uh, autonomous vacuum, you know, which was to you know, code the Roomba to clean this whole living room, but using the Lego Mindstorms, you know, but like you do that in practice, but at the end you walk away. Now at Cal State Northridge, you have like a Husky robot there that's temporarily there or a race car that you can code things into. And that has real life application. Obviously the car is like autonomous coding for like autonomous driving and the actual robot, which like I think ro robotics has really stepped into gear of things you could do with it with now that they have that on their resume, they can go apply for all these robotic companies. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't exposed to that. That wasn't in my realm. And I couldn't do that at home because I think Lego Mindstorms at the time was a good couple hundred bucks. And try asking a college student when they have a free couple hundred bucks in their in right. their pocket, you know, and on top of that, you couldn't really do it. That has real not you. You don't go into resume and say, hey, I coded some stuff. On a, on a Lego robot, no one cares about that. Um, so yeah, from the engineering side, that's that's an example right there. But you know, during COVID, most of my students had to teach from home and everything was remote, which I thought was fine because they're still using their laptops and desktops and it can still run Unreal Engine. And you know, some of the students um, um, uh, worked on their projects using their computer based off what they want to learn Unreal. And it's I'm happy to say that some of them now work in the gaming industry uh, because of the stuff they did through COVID, 
uh, they didn't have to rely on external tools or external software um, that they paid through their membership to go get. The tools are right in front of their hands. So that's the coolest part. You know, I, it, and I tell my students this all the time, but like you could do everything you want to do right in front of you. Um, especially like the Raspberry Pi stuff, you can literally build stuff that has real life application to it right now, um, which blows my mind. It, it, it really does. I think it's so cool. And a lot of the stuff too is, is inexpensive. I think you could get a whole kit with um, Raspberry Pi and all the parts on it for like 40, 50 bucks. I was going to say, Amazon. yeah, 40 and bucks. Get it in, and get it in like a day right. or two at max. You could be, you could be watering your garden, you know, with an automated watering system in a day yeah. for, for well, 40 here, bucks. I'll, if you guys want to hear something really cool, one of the students, we had this idea. It was one of those things I think we talked about earlier, of like uh, just having this idea meshing with someone else. Uh, my wife, I love her to death. But she is the worst green thumb or has the worst green thumb I've ever seen. Any plant she dies or grows, it dies. It's actually a superpower. If there's a mar if I hang out with my Marvel friends, I'm gonna let them know that I have a new villain for them that's like the poison ivy but opposite. Oh boy. And we're in the backyard one day and she's like, Man, I killed my basil or some plant. And I'm like, Well, how are you supposed to know to grow it there? And I was like, Holy moly, that is a great idea. So I had um, my team um, or a team at uh, for my senior design class, they want to do something with the, the Raspberry Pi. I'm like, hey, why don't you build a Raspberry Pi that, that just, I can put it anywhere, it collects information, touches the plants.com database, and then lets me know what specific plants could grow at that specific spot. And they built it, and they built it in a semester, and it was genius. I think some of them, one of them grew like basic stuff, like sunflowers and other things like that, but a great real-life application uh, sure. of, an, of an amazing idea. That's and um, hopefully my wife uh, will use that and not kill everything that she touches. So Get some basil. Um, pretty funny. Yeah, get some good basil going. That's right. Otherwise, um, I have spaghetti with no basil. Sure, sure. So I love asking um, people to think about the future. And I, and I think you think about the future a lot. And so I think you're the perfect person to ask. And, and what I want from you in terms of contextualizing the future is um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about where you see the future of, you know, this pathway from from college to 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 industry. Where do you see yourself teaching and guiding your students in terms of what they needed to know um, in in the next five to seven years? What should they expect from Professor Chaya, five years from now, if they're in your class learning about this stuff? Oh, man. you I mean, you answer a great one because the one that answers, I would say, right away is since I'm in, um, I've done, and, and I wouldn't even have thought this path if I went back to my college self, but since I do a lot of business development now, which is kind of like attaching technology to like real life application and, and pretty much how to make money off things, um, you know, that's one thing I would show students of that I educate them right now is why we build things and why we use certain technologies is due to the overarching, like, this is how a company makes money, uh, type of thing. But, um, so at Cal State Northridge, I'm going to teach like some biz dev directive in like the special education space, um, uh, special education, but like handicap space, whatever of like how we build tools like the, uh, eye gaze, um, hardware components and using AR, VR uh, for good and stuff like that and, and the business side of it of like how businesses are succeed and, 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 and kind of divulge into that. Um, but, you know, going back just to students out, out, outside of that, I would love to teach them more 
of you know as more workflows derive of gaming and virtual production and what and whatnot as well of more tutorials i think specific guidance i think is, is the keywords i'm looking for like i said earlier unreal engine is ginormous you can find so many awesome tutorials and jump right into it but it's more of the question of what do you want to do and some people go well i want to learn everything and i'm like man it's it's impossible there's just so many things to learn and, and while you're sitting there researching and talking Unreal is updating behind that and more plugins are going to introduce that do all this work that you don't have to code yourself. Um, so really getting that, I think, embedded in the students of just like knowing that when you walk in there, it's not just like do a tutorial and then you're on your way to glory. It's more of like the what specifically do you want to do and, and, and go from there? And then I could guide them into different areas, not only for tutorials, but you know, off my own experience of like do this and look at this instead. And that just specifically gets you that area. Um, because I think that would help the next step, which is kind of like the precept before you get into college, right? Like, what do you want to do in your life? Well, hmm. I want to be a doctor. And then you're like, okay, well, you go to these doctor schools and, and everything. And by the time you get to the, well, what kind of a doctor do you want to be? You're like, well, I don't like the sign of blood. So I don't want to touch anything blood. It's like, okay, well, you just got rid of a whole bunch of stuff. Like, <laughs> I want to get to that area of just like, I want to build stuff like, okay, well, that opens up a ton of stuff. Like, what do you want to do? There's some students that just like to deal with and and. and winding my thought process a little bit there with my class too i try to expose them to so many different elements where you know computer science is not just coding you don't just sit there and code all day like if i just sat in a corner and cold all, cold all day you don't leave this good looks in that corner all day i'm like there's project managers there's scrum there's development there's qa qa is not a dumb job qa is amazing that's how i got started i qa for myspace of all places it does a ton of fun um so not against exposure to the jobs but what you can do and what components you are really brings out creativity and, and student interest and um from that aspect that i do i th that's great like i have students now that branching in in all those different areas i alluded to where some students are just like i'm cool with coding and that's all i want to do some students i have them i had them brought as like project managers and they're just like hey professor chaya like i like to lead and i'm like you did not know that good go forth and try that out and i have some students that are um uh, leaders in their own project i focus on qa so you know, it's uh, again, I go back to the word exposure is if you told me teaching in the future, what do you do? Exposure, 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 especially with my with professors and teachers, not just me, but anyone else out there with real life experience. I think if you engage a student, give them everything in their tool set and everything um, exposed to in the class that they're able then to make maximum uh, life career decisions for them. Otherwise, it's kind of just releasing them to the wild. And that's not fair, because if anything, that's how I was. I was released to the wild. And it took me multiple years to kind of fine tune my set, which I don't take back at all. It led me to um, where I am today, which I, I don't take back. But um, if I could go back and give myself some specific guidance, I think it would um, help instead of learning the hard way type of thing. It's amazing. You know, with the, with the last words of the podcast, I, I actually think <laughs> that we just summed it up incredibly well. The idea that if we help students find themselves, find what they're passionate about, find what they're into. Um, the tools will always be there to help them, you know, make that happen in one way, shape or form. Um, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Mike, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you for listening.